Hi guys, this is Paul Konchesky and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Matt Boisclair and another evening of disastrous defending from Fulham at the Cottage meant that the game was over before it really began against Aston Villa. It's going to be a long last season to watch again, isn't it? Joining me to look back over the game, I've got a couple of Sunday League centre-halves who are well-versed at the art of crap defending. Ash said Colts were 1-0 down when this guy came off the bench to help his side out of the back. The opposition put his side under relentless pressure, but the Colts managed to hold out for a narrow 9-1 defeat. Will Oakley, did you have your boots on the wrong feet or is watching Fulham having an adverse effect on your game? Definitely Fulham. Definitely (laughs) Fulham. I mean, after watching that today, I don't really think I will take any blame for that. No way. Not a chance. It's depressing all round at the moment, isn't it? There's certainly no defence for Saints FC of Scarborough as well, literally, as they lost a whopping 15-0 on Sunday. Although this boy seems proud as the score could apparently have been a lot more. With this guy in the side, though, they were lucky to get nil. It's Ben Robinson. Good evening, mate. How are you? Hi, mate. How are you doing? I've I've been better. That was pretty dire tonight, wasn't it, again? Oh, yeah. It's getting worse, I think, each week. I just uh, one of the guys just posted into the team chat as well that Paddy Power are paying out on Fulham to be relegated already. Utterly, utterly ridiculous. Bonkers. Three games in. God, what's gone wrong? Anyway, let's keep this brief and get it over with. Fulham. So the team was all changed again. There was no place in the squad for Harrison Reed at all. Kearney lined up alongside Anguissa in midfield with Bobby Reed and Cav playing either side of Mitra up front. Meanwhile, we started with an unusual back three of Tim Ream, Michael Hector and Dennis Adoy. Initial thoughts, Will? I mean, I know Bobby Reed did well against Leeds. I still think he's rubbish. Um, Ream, you know, has been great for the club, but again, it's just not Premier League quality, really. Uh, same as Adoy. Just... Oh. It all comes down to the centre-backs for me, the the fact that, you know, we haven't signed anyone because, uh, you know, I look at that team and I think that is, the, the defence, that is the best we've got. And that's shambolic, really, that Adoy and Ream and Hector, who hasn't been great so far, but hopefully he will find his feet, that Adoy and Ream are two of the best centre-backs in the club for a Premier League side. No, that that, that can't that can't be happening. Uh, Midfield-wise, I was surprised that we only went for two centre-mids in Kenny and Anguissa, but I think I was happy with both of them to start in. I was surprised about Harrison Reed. I'm guessing he might have a bit of a knock because he wasn't on the bench at all either. Let's hope that it's not kind of you know long-term like it was last season, but I'm sure it'll be all right. I hope it will be anyway. And Ben, I think in, in terms of three at the back, it seems to be numbers over quality, doesn't it? I mean... You know, Will's just said uh, Tim Ream and Dennis Adoy just, you know, they're not Premier League defenders. Uh, Michael Hector, the jury's still out. But if in doubt, just throw them all on and hope for the best. Yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense, to be fair. We've, we've been playing four at the back for the last, what, two, three seasons. And suddenly in a game which 
I know it's early in the season, but we've got to say it's one of the games you need to be getting something from because they're a team that's going to be there or thereabouts with us bottom half at the table. So you need to be going out there and giving them at least a try in the keeper a few times and making them work. And we just, we looked hopeless. Um, I mean, like Will said about lack of Premier League quality, you look through the lineup, uh, the keeper, uh, to be fair, Ariola, we don't know enough about him. He's only letting seven goals in two games, but I don't think that's his fault. Uh, Tete, no experience in the Premier League. Hector, no experience in the Premier League. Adoy, no experience in the Premier League. Um, well, he has. The season went down with us. The same as Ream and Mitrovic and Kearney. Half of those players, either Premier League teams got rid of them to us in the Championship and we're trying to use them again in the Premier League, or they came up with us and then we're not good enough and we came straight back down. It's, it, it's such a weird thing to do is change to five at the back in such an important game. I, I don't really understand what Parker's doing. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to talk about the mistakes as we go through, but just really quickly, I think Tony Khan's going to come in for a lot of stick here because we haven't yet signed a centre-half, but there's no doubt that he's trying to, to, to get a centre-half in. I don't know if either of you saw that interview that he did on the official website a couple of days ago where he's spoken about, you know, deals are falling through or some player that he wanted to get in on a free didn't happen or somebody ended up getting covid um, so they didn't they didn't join, and then of course the Marlon one today, where uh, there was an issue with the medical, whatever whatever that was. So he is trying, but the more these games go on, and the worse we're doing, which central defender worth any sort at all is going to look at that defending and think, I want to go and play for that team. No one's going to want to come, and the more this goes on, the, the worse it's going to be. Yeah, I think that is a bit of an issue because, I mean, like you say, I'm sure Tony Khan's trying, and I watched the interview as well, and he. He did seem really genuine about how he was trying to get a centre-back in. But we really did need to try and get one on, try and get one in earlier on in the window. Um, obviously, like you say, there's nothing he can do about players failing medicals and COVID and things like that. But even some sort of emergency loan or something, I mean, he must feel maybe hard done by because of the fact that fans are having to go at him and it's not entirely his fault but he also might feel like he's made a mistake in not bringing a centre back in sooner because like you say a lot of the blame has been going to him whether it's deserved or not in my opinion it's understandable that the blame has gone to him Um, and yeah I I mean I'm sure we will get a centre back in if not we're in even more trouble than we thought we would be but yeah we'll have to see well let's pick apart the mistakes then so, same old story, inside four minutes, a run from deep from Grealish, some ball watching from our defenders and the ball's in the back of the net. Ben, talk me through your thoughts on this goal. Uh, I think it really shows that, that lack of experience. And so when we come up against quality players, we just can't defend against them. Um, we seem to start slow. I mean, this season alone, we've conceded in the 4th, 6th, 8th, 48th, 49th and the 50th minute. We, there's no excuses for that to come out and not start for the first five minutes. Um, and some of the defending that's been going on, especially that first goal, you've got to say, is it the players that aren't good enough? Or is it the coach that's not good enough? Or is it the fact that it's both? You know, no Premier League experience in either management or players. And that's where we're just getting caught out all the time. For me, I've said a few times on the podcast over the years that all I'm interested in with Fulham, I don't care about being in the Premier League. I just want a team that I'm proud of. And tonight... I'm just I'm not proud. I'm not proud of defenders. I, I don't care that players make mistakes. That happens. Everyone makes mistakes from time to time. And I don't even really care that they're not good enough for this level because you know everybody's got a ceiling and once once you hit that ceiling then then that's that. 
But what I do care about is players just not concentrating. Adoy wasn't concentrating. He had no idea that Grealish was coming over his shoulder for that first goal, even though he'd looked across and saw him um, a few seconds earlier. And then the second goal as well. He, he was diabolical for the second goal. Will, I mean, he stood there and watched Ollie Watkins make a, make a run in front of him. By the time he'd, he'd realised it was too late, Grealish got the ball, squared it, and Hurahan taps it in the back of the net, 2-0. What were your thoughts on the second goal, Will? Yeah, like you say, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, no team should just be letting the opposition pass the ball around in their own box. I mean, that's that's kind of ridiculous. You know what? I mean, they played one pass in and literally one slight tap, and you know he's got a whole whole goal to aim at. And I think, like you were saying about Ariola, Ben, it's kind of hard to judge because he's just been. It, that like that's an impossible save, really. He could have gone anywhere, um, and yeah, it's just it's embarrassing from the defense. Like you say, players sometimes aren't good enough, and at the moment, without any other centre backs, we're going to have to play players that aren't good enough. But they just don't seem like they're trying. They don't seem like they know what they're doing, and I don't think it's necessarily all about pure skill. I think the training, um, like how do they not know what to do in that situation? That's such a basic situation. Someone in the box with the ball holding a defender off and another one running into the box. Surely that's so basic to defend against. That's what they come up against every day in the league and something they should go through in training. But it just seemed like no one knew what they were doing. No one knew where to stand. No one knew what the other centre-back was going to do, whether they were going to step out or or stay. They just don't know what the other one's going to do, which doesn't help because none of them are clearly filled with confidence. Well, before the break, Kenny Tesse, arguably our best player in the first half, went off injured and was replaced by Abubakar Kamara. It's just our luck in this game um, that our best player goes off injured. I think had we gone in at nil-nil at half-time, then we probably wouldn't have said we played particularly badly because I thought generally, aside from the mistakes for the goals, I thought we looked all right and we were creating chances. But the fact of the matter is we were 2 nil down because of two defensive laps. Ben, who do you blame? Do you blame the players, the individuals? Do you blame Scott Parker? Or do you blame the chairman and, and Tony? Um, well, I think everyone at the club has got to take a piece of the blame because no one player on that pitch tonight played well enough. The manager wasn't good enough. Tony Khan's not done well enough getting people in. There is. It just seems everyone's not quite doing enough to keep us up at the moment. And the longer it goes on... Um, like uh, someone said earlier, I'm not sure who said it, but um, about the longer it goes on, the less likely we are to get better players in. You know, w- what player is going to come to Fulham that's going to help keep us up? That is, you know, five games in, we've lost all five and we've conceded 16 goals. What player is going to say, yeah, do you know what, I'll give it a go? Because if they're good enough to keep us up, they're not going to be interested in something like that. And we just look so unthreatening at the moment. And, I feel so with players like Mitrovic, he's just isolated, got very little around him. But there's just someone's got to step up. And Tom Kearney, I don't think he's captain enough to say, you know, let's step up, let's, let's make an example of myself on the pitch. And there just seems to be no spine at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with all of that. I, I felt like some of the service into Mitrovic tonight was all right. I felt like we were getting crosses into the box and he did have a few chances. It was it was certainly different type of service to the service he was getting in the championship when you had 
the likes of Knockout and Cavalero just shooting all the time. I did feel like people were trying to pick him out. And I felt like on another day we could have scored some goals. But it was for me, it was just the problems at the other end that, that were our undoing. What about you, Will? Who, who for you is to blame for, for our just dismal performance at the back week in, week out at the moment? I think I agree with Ben. Um, I think it's coaching staff, manager, um, players, Tony Khan. I, I think it's a bit of everything. Um, I think, like I said, the players just don't really know what they're doing, which is obviously players and coaching. And then I think Parker has a very, very limited amount of players that he can put out with the signings we brought in. Obviously, we've got a lot of midfielders, a lot of attackers. Defenders, we are really, really short on, especially sending Mawson and Stephen Session on, on, out on loan. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's just a bit of everyone for me. It's not good enough all round. And hopefully we can improve if we bring in another sign-in. Maybe even even if he's not the best defender, someone that can boost morale because there's no way Rima, Doyen, Hector are going to be happy playing the next game again after playing like that, especially considering it's against Wolves who do have a better attack than Villa. They're not going to feel confident with Jimenez, Traore and Podence running at them, especially Traore. Have you seen the size of him? Imagine him against Brian. He hasn't got a chance. No, quite. Well, you two have got splinters in your arse and you both sat on the fence there and just kind of shared the blame out to everyone. And I, and I get that. There is there is an argument to say that there's there's blame for Tony Khan, there's blame for the chairman, there's blame for the players and there's, there's blame for uh, Scott Parker. But for me, it's the individual players that are making these errors. Uh, I think the way that we set up was all right tonight. As I said, we, we were getting forward quite nicely, but it's just individual mistakes you know, and they're, they're happening. They're happening every game at the moment, and and it's got to stop. Um, but I don't know how to make it stop. And Scott Parker's the only man who who can, I think. Um, hopefully, he'll have some new personnel to work with in the next few games. But whether they'll be good enough or not remains to be seen. Anyway, let's move on. And second half begins. It gets worse immediately. We give away a free kick just inside our own half. There's no defending whatsoever. Everyone just stands there and Tyrone Mings just strokes it home past the goalkeeper for 3-0. We just switched off and gave up again. I mean, I, I don't know what more there is to say about this. You, there's only so many times you can you can criticise one area of the pitch. But again, Ben, diabolical defending, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, things like, uh, mistakes like that shouldn't be happening in the Championship. Yeah, that's the sort of thing you see in Sunday League when someone turns around and says, whose man was that? You know, as a mean wolf, no, from this weekend. Um, but, yeah, it, it, that shouldn't be happening. It's basic stuff, following your runners. And we just aren't doing it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's apparently it was a doy that played them on side. I didn't actually see that, but that's just what someone said on WhatsApp or Twitter or something. Um, but, again, it's just no one's no one's with him. Uh I, I don't know, just no one's marking him, no one, again, it comes to the point, no one knows where they're supposed to be because no one should be running through like that on side with no one next to him because there's something going on where the players don't know what each other is supposed to be doing and what they're supposed to be doing themselves. So I, I think I'm starting to sway a lot more to the fact that it could be the coaching um, in some parts. I think it's also just confidence. Like I said before, there's no way those centre-backs are going to go want to go back out on the pitch on the weekend and, you know, 
have another performance like that because it's embarrassing. But we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. It's just not good enough at the moment, especially that goal. That was the worst of the night for me. Yeah, that really was the worst goal of the night to concede. And I want to see, I want to see our central defenders putting their bodies on the line, and they're not at the moment. They're just, they've got an easy ride, and and it's not going to go on. They'll they'll just be out of the team. Um, next we get a goal. VAR ruins it. Bobby Reed scores, and then we have to have a a few minutes whilst they check every possible scenario. <laughs> and yeah, it gets it gets ruled out. Much to Baldo's delight, because he's a big fan of VAR. I can't fucking stand it. I hate it. I hate everything about it, and I hate everything that's happened this weekend. But that's a that's a conversation for another day. Um, then Maxime Lamarchand comes on for Hector, who slumps himself back down into his chair when he goes off, and just looks. I don't know whether he's pissed off with being taken off or just pissed off with himself for playing so poorly. Um, for you, Bobby Reed, was his goal ruled out incorrectly or was it the right decision? Um, yeah, I think it was the right decision. Um, I think it, it was harsh. It definitely was harsh, but Mitrovic clearly fouled him. And as the commentator said, in the Premier League, sorry, in the Championship, he would have got away with that. And week in, week out, he did. You know, he was always dragging players to the floor. You look at the player final when he yeah, choke slammed um, Mark Condes. He slept choke slammed. And I said on the Leeds preview um, last week or the week before, we can't afford to have Mitrovic making mistakes like that because he will get sent off and he will get goals disallowed. And he's got to learn quickly from this. It, 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 we can't afford to have four or five goals ruled out when we're scoring hardly any either. And we're letting twice as many at the other end. Um, we've got to improve really quickly in that aspect. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. And we've already said, again, coming back to the defence, Reem and Adoy probably aren't good enough at this level. But, Will, for you, is Michael Hector not stepping up in the last three games or the first three games of this season the biggest disappointment of all so far? Yeah, for me, yeah, I think so. Um, I think the only reason why... I'd stick with him over Ream and Adoy because we saw what he was capable of in the second half of last season. It was a massive impact when he came in, uh, sort of like when Mitrovic came in for the second half of our uh, first promotion season. It's kind of a bit like that. Uh, I feel like Hector had that impact, although on paper, he obviously didn't score the goals. He didn't, you know, maybe not as noticeable, but he really did change the season for us. And I think we know you know, that he can, he can do it. We looked at him last season and we said, yeah, he's one of the players that we want to keep in the squad for next season. And we want to play a new centre-back alongside him. So for me, yeah, it's disappointing. But hopefully if a new centre-back comes in and we stick with a formation like four at the back, he knows where he's going to play. He knows who he's going to be playing alongside week in, week out. He knows how he plays. He knows how his teammate plays. And yeah, I, I think, I think he will be good. But yeah, right now it's really disappointing to see. But even the thing is, even if Hector stepped up and was amazing, we still would have conceded goals and lost each of our first three matches. But yeah, like you say, it would be nice for him to step up to the uh, challenge eventually. He's just never played at this level before. And he's been knocking around Chelsea for a few years and been out on loan at several clubs over the years. He's done quite well uh, at lower levels, but... Now, this is his big chance and, and he's blowing it at the moment. He really is blowing it. And I don't know whether it's just him that you can blame or whether it's some of the players around him as well, but he hasn't looked good. And, you know, this 
this this could be his uh, one and only opportunity to to make it in the Premier League. So I really hope things turn around both for his and for our sakes. Um, Twelve minutes to go. Niskan's Cabano came on for Bobby Reed, probably the most pointless substitution ever made in the Premier League. I'm um, not quite sure what the thinking was behind that. Um, one ineffective player at this level for another. Um, but now we're left to pick up the pieces. What next? Where do we go from here? We've played two sides in the last couple of games who will likely finish mid-table to bottom half. And they've pissed all over us defensively. They've scored seven goals past us. We've conceded 10 goals in three games. Ben, where do we go from here? Um, just to put into context, 10 goals in three games. Um, we've got some stats here for you. Um, over the course of a season... I mean, to be fair, we haven't considered the most goals. That's West Brom. They've considered 11. But um, over the course of a season, 10 goals every three games, it's 126.6 goals over 38 games. Um, to put that into context, the, the most ever is Derby, who considered 89. And they finished on 11 points. So if we consider 126, you know, it's, it's just... Something's got to change. Whether Parker, he needs to learn quickly from his mistakes, and he will. I'm sure he will. Um, in the championship, he, he learned quickly. But can we afford to have 10, 15 games at the start of the season where he's learning? Because they didn't wait for Slav for that long, and Slav played some brilliant football. They just got rid of him. And I do feel if we lose the next couple of games, the Khans have got to make that decision: do we stick or twist? And I'd stick. I'd say that's at the start of the season. No matter what, stay with him. Go down, come back up with him again. Like um. Uh, you know, like other teams have done, they've stuck with their managers. Yeah, Burnley, was it Burnley? Burnley, yeah. Burnley, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like they've they've come back up and they've established themselves now. But it, it's not been easy for Parker. Um, Tony Khan's got to pull his finger out. I know he put a message on Twitter saying we've been struggling. Um, we had four players, four centre backs ruled out. But you know, he's a director of football. These mistakes, these problems are going to come up, and he's going to have to solve them. And maybe that's the difference between a Premier League team and a Championship team having the players and the managers who can sort of solve these issues as they pop up. We did a podcast after we got promoted at Wembley where everybody was saying, oh, Scott Parker, he's come of age, he's this, he's that, he's the other. It'd be really harsh if he doesn't get the whole season. And then Danny stepped in and said, yeah, but if he loses X amount of games in a row, then everyone's going to want him to go. And you just wonder where that point is. I mean, I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm, I'm going to back him for the whole season because I think he deserves that. And I'm not one for chopping and changing. And I'd, I'd rather buy into a project with a manager and and just stand by the decision to, to hang on to a manager. But if we're getting thrashed every week and, and we're not ever picking up any points, then that's going to that's gonna be really hard. Will, what about you? Where do we go from here for you? We just need a centre-back. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I know he's repeated everywhere on Twitter, on other Fulham podcasts on this podcast we just need a centre back big time because this is the Premier League this is the top top league in England and we're still playing Tim Ream and Dennis Adoy who like I say they've been great for the club but they're both what 32 and 33 I think maybe something both over 32 I think and and it's just obviously players can can get good at that age and can peak at that age but they definitely haven't. And I think we just need to, yeah, it's just a centre-back before the end of the window. And I think I'll be content going forward from there. 
on the Parker issue, I said at the start of the season that I'll, I'll stick with him the whole season. I feel like I am probably one of those people who say that and then if we go and lose 10 in a row, I'll, I'll change my mind. But I don't want to be that person, but I definitely could end up being like that. But yeah, I think it's sensible to keep him and if we do go down, go down with him and treat it like a long-term project. Because Ben, like you say, with, with Burnley, you know, it's a long-term thing. They've kept Sean Dyke for a long time now and they're an established Premier League club. Admittedly, they've never really done you know finished top six top top eight really but they're mid-table most seasons now and I feel I think that's the way forward for us we need to stick we need to get a philosophy around the club and and a set kind of target which we can't we can't set targets when we're changing managers every six months that's not going to work and especially the way uh the cons do things with the director of football about how they're mostly involved in the transfers. It seems that Tony Khan does get along well with Parker. So I think keeping Parker can only be a positive, surely. And hopefully it pays off eventually if we do stick with him, which is what I'd like to do. Now, something that Robin said in the chat earlier, and um, I know people listening to the show won't know Robin, but Robin's heavily involved behind the scenes with Fulham Focus, is that the problem we've got with trying to sign a centre-half, aside from the fact that nobody worth their salt is going to want to come at the moment, is that we're trying to sign ball-playing centre-halves. And what we need in the position we're in is something a bit different to that. We need a bit of a thug at the back who um, doesn't mind sticking their, their boot in, sticking their face in, rather than somebody who can just play the ball out from the back. Um, I don't know who there is available who, who fits that bill, but I think he's right. I, I, I think trying to play the ball, uh, ball out from the back and having a ball-playing centre-half is playing into the hands of relegation, quite frankly. Ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you look at how many players, how often the players um, ball-playing centre-halves who are big, strong, unlike sticking their head in the way. I can only think of company. Um, you know, typically these players who are the best at what they do, passing the ball off in the back and defending, they're not going to be thugs. And that's sort of what, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. We need a player who's going to come in, show up the defence. Um, we look at last season when Hector came in, that change in that, that entire confidence in our defence changed just because of one new signing. And that could happen this season, but by January it could be too late. Um, and I think, uh, like someone else mentioned in the team chat earlier, um, the best ball-playing centre-halves who are going to improve us are going to be playing in Europe. They're not going to come to lower half Premier League teams. And they'll have been scouted by you know, Everton. Uh, centre-back is it Tadebo from Barca? And Everton have sort of hijacked that. And no player is going to say, well, I could fight for my place at Everton or I could be guaranteed to start at Fulham. No, that's not a... You know, you go to Everton. That's, there's not a choice there. Um, we're, we're not an established mid-table Premier League team anymore. And until we are, we're not going to be able to get players like that in. And I think it's something we're going to... It's going to be a few... Tough seasons before that, before we start getting nice players in from abroad again. You're completely right, and that's what Tony Khan's up against. And and unless he can work an absolute miracle and pull off the you know some amazing deal, then he's just gonna he's gonna be getting a load of stick from people on Twitter. So if, if I was Tony Khan, um, and I don't expect him to take my advice at all, why would he? But if I was Tony Khan, I'd just 
get rid of my Twitter account because that Twitter account does him absolutely no favours. He doesn't have to talk to the official website about what business they're doing and what business they plan to do. He does that. And and I think he comes across quite well. I think he comes across as a decent bloke. And I think the, the stick, just because some Fulham supporters and football supporters are frustrated with how the team's doing, I think the stick that he gets is completely unjust. And, and I do feel sorry for him. We'll get in a central defender or two before next week's transfer deadline day. Undoubtedly, you just need to be a bit patient. But if you're expecting that central defender to come in and completely change the landscape of this team, then you you know you you're, you're asking for a miracle, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right there. I mean, I've just seen someone's just sent this uh, a tweet on the team chat. So. Parker said on transfers, uh, Parker was talking about transfers and he said, we need to work out whether we want to compete this year. Otherwise, it will be a tough year. This team needs to evolve and to do to, and to do that, we need players in. If not, we will work like we have worked and try and improve things. So to me, that sounds like he's kind of sending a message to Tony Khan and not just through a text message through the media, which I think is a bit of a, you know, sending a bigger message saying that, we need a centre-back, otherwise we're working with what we've got here and you've already seen what that's like. So I think, yeah, I think that's interesting. I know I said earlier that Parker does seem heavily heavily involved with the uh, transfers with Tony Khan, but I think this is hopefully going to get his message across and hopefully it doesn't mean they're going to fall out. I think that's just saying to Tony, look, we've got to, we've got to do something. We've got to do something fast because we both know, we both want what's best for the club and that's bringing in a centre-back because we need to compete with the top teams. Well, let's let's just concentrate on competing with four or five teams at the bottom of the league before we try and start competing with the top teams. But yeah, a point taken. Yeah, that, that's nicely put. Well, let's come on to Scott Parker then. Let's do a, let's do a Scott Parker rating. Ben, I'm going to come to you first. Out of 10 for Scott Parker? Uh, two. Two for me. Maybe a push, I'll give him a three. But they just, just did not go with the normal formation just it seems a bit odd I don't know if it was, I remember Slav a few years ago he did it where he tried to prove a point to um, Tony Khan by putting out a mental team and is it the same sort of thing again where he's trying to say look we need these players this is what I want to play give me the players I need but yeah two for me alright mate um, what about you Will I think I'll probably go for like a four. Um, I think, like you say, formation was interesting, but there's just something not going right. I mean, I'm not giving a four just for this match. I'm giving it for the training leading up to this match because there's something not right. Uh, again, this is like the third time I've said it just in this podcast. Like The players don't know what they're doing. They're not being trained to play with each other, let alone well with each other. It's just something's not right. Um, I think keeping Anguissa in the team's a good call. Um, yeah, that's that's about as much as I can go to, really. Uh, everyone else has kind of had their position set anyway that uh, is guaranteed to make a team. But yeah, it's just a four for me. We'll have to see whether that improves over the season. Hopefully it does. But this match really was not the one. And the training leading up to it, I suppose, just showed just caused that really okay I'm gonna go with a five and that's just because I thought we looked quite dangerous going forward even though we didn't score 
I felt like we did create a lot of good opportunities. We had some good possession in some in some good areas, and it was just those frustrating uh, lapses um, at key points in the game that cost us three goals. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a five, and really hope that something changes between now and that and the Wolves game on Sunday. All right, lads, let's leave it there. J-Mac will be back for a review of the Wolves game on Monday morning, and I only hope something magical happens between now and then. Thanks for listening, everyone, and speak to you soon. Cheers. 